When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. My name is Ty Hildebrand over there. You're watching the video, Dan Rubenstein. The illustrious Dan Rubenstein today, sir. How are you? Stock down on sleep. Stock up on the solid verbal. I'm excited for today's show. Uh, we we I, this is going to be not just an annual tradition, but maybe a monthly tradition. Uh-oh. Based on how active this specific topic is and seems to be in the off season, but I'm tight. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. You know that. I uh, and you as well. I am thrilled to be here. I'm excited about this show. You you presented this general concept to me. Now, full disclosure, I don't know the theme. Right. I don't know the theme that you're going to lay down at the feet of the transfer portal show that we are doing here today. So we're all excited for that. But that aside, I'm thrilled to be doing this show. I have read so much about the transfer portal over the last couple of months. I don't know what it is. Some people get into recruiting. Some people get into schemes. Some people get into the coaching carousel. For sure. I'm into all of those things. I do a college football podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing has gotten the juices flowing for me quite like the transfer portal. Maybe it's because Notre Dame has been active. Notre Dame gets Sam Hartman and, you know, um, some of my other teams that I follow more closely. Penn State's been active in the portal, right? Right. I I don't know if it's because those teams have a lot to gain in the portal or if it's just because the portal has really given me something that I have been lacking as a college football fan, which is a constant state of variability, a constant state of volatility, yeah, volatility, right? Like something can always change in the transfer portal at a moment's notice. And for sure, that to me has been pretty cool, pretty, pretty exciting to follow. Yeah. And it's interesting because you can look at this from a 
team fandom perspective, and it seems to have been a good year for Notre Dame. It seems to have been a good year for Oregon. They've lost a ton. They've added a ton. And then you have to look at it from a college football perspective, which is some people like, oh, man, this is pretty destructive. Even though they were pro player, even though we're pro freedom and the way the coaches have it, like you can understand on a certain level, like, man, it's it's tough following everything. And it's tough when you like looking at the sport with like, all right, these are this team's guys. And I've known them for two or three years and they're going into battle against this team with these guys that I know about and have known about for two or three years. And so it makes it more difficult, but that's somewhat the appeal of college football. Everything about college football is difficult. Being a fan of college football, no matter how good or bad your team is, can be challenging. And so the transfer portal just adds a new wrinkle. And every so often there's just a new wrinkle added to this very chaotic sport. So what I want to do today, Ty, is I don't want to look at the best players. I don't want to look at, you know, the most shocking guys to enter the portal. I mean, hell, since we started, you know, organizing for this show this morning um, and just, you know, scheduling and recording and everything. Walker Howard to Ole Miss, correct? Yeah, yeah. Walker Howard to Ole Miss, yep. Talia Tongavaloa announced that he's coming back, which is not a transfer, of course. Um, we've got Michigan's offensive coordinator on leave because of computer access issues. Oh, man, whatever that is. Not means. on a federal level, yeah, mm. but, I don't know, state, local level. Okay. Uh, Jake Garcia, obviously a highly touted recruit who stepped into duty when Tyler Van Dyke got injured this year for Miami. He entered the portal in the last, I don't know, hour or two. Uh, we've had some NFL declarations, Quentin Johnston, Kendra Miller from uh, Big 12 runner-up TCU. Why do I have to say it like I, that, Ty? What is it about me? It's mean when you do that. You could say national runner-up. Yeah, They've national got the runner-up runner market pretty much cornered. Yeah. Um, semi-final Fiesta Bowl champion TCU. So obvious moves there. It's Jim seems. Harbaugh coming back. Jim Harbaugh's returning to Michigan. Yeah. It can never be a quiet offseason for Michigan people, right? No. It can never just be like, well, we built upon that really fun season and attracted an even better recruiting and portal class. Nope. There's always something. There's always something. And, you know, that's also college football. It's a sport where there's always something. But because you're so into the portal, and I'm pretty much into the portal, I wanted to review our most intriguing players, situations, storylines, whatever, of... I guess the first or second portal cycle of mm. the 2023 it's season. It's just a constant cycle, dude. It just keeps going. It is a constant cycle, but like there are times when you can and can't visit or can and can't enter the portal. And obviously the next cycle is probably going to be mid or after spring football or summer or whatever, when jobs become more clear, depth charts become more clear. So what I wanted to do is intriguing, right? That just, it's, it's scratching us where we itch, whether it be because of player, coach, school, situation, whatever. We've each come up with a list of intriguing situations. Can you confirm this? I, I can confirm, yeah. Okay, so for our theme today, I was just thinking about it, Ty, as I tend to do, and taking a chance transferring, right, can be hit or miss. So I propose, Ty, we take a look at the players and schools and their stories so far, <laughs> and hopefully it works out for them and it's all <laughs> as they go to a new place newfound we glory. hope they've newfound found glory. what they're looking for which ultimately is personal and team glory little 8 bit action there i appreciate that How'd wow. I do? How'd I do, Ty? You did 
well on about 17 different levels with this. Dan. <laughs> Again, this does nothing to change our reputation as dorks shoehorning in things into a college football show just to prove they can to a very small portion of the audience who will understand and be impressed. Yeah. This changes nothing. This changes nothing. This is who we are. It's who we've we been. can only be who we are. Little NFG up in here on the SV talking <laughs> TP. The other TP transfer. I won't. Portal. I won't make us talk about like if it is going to be downhill from here or is it going to be a head-on collision right. for this transfer. I'm not. We're not going to take it further than the already strenuous, tenuous, whatever place that we've found ourselves in. Uh, as transfer portal players look for that new found glory. Yeah. Are okay. we going to, are we going to go to a place where we talk about Deion Sanders taking my friends over you? Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I tried to shoehorn that in. That was pretty much his introductory speech. That's true. That's a good call. Uh, I did want to call back very quickly to the fine folks who are watching right now, courtesy of verballers.com. We've got a teaming oh. Patreon community that we've talked about time and again, throughout the course of the season, it grew to new heights this season, so far in the off season, if you go in the Discord, you can still see people are chatting about college football, really chatting about everything. We've got a channel for you if you're just interested in hanging out with cool people, because that's really what our community is. Verballers.com is where you can go check out the off season benefits. Jump on in. We've got stuff that we're constantly talking about that we can add to the list of perks that are available to our Patreon subscribers. We were just kicking around a few earlier today. So we're excited about what the offseason has in store from a Patreon perspective, mm -hmm. but just in general from a community perspective, because we're so proud of the community that we've built. Um, it might not be for everybody. That's cool. But at least give it a give it a check out over at Verballers.com. And by the way, anybody watching this, please drop any new transfer news that breaks <laughs> during the show, because that also happens. Why don't we start with Deion Sanders? So okay. the two name brand, if you want to say name brand in air quotes, transfers that are coming with him from Jackson State are obviously Travis Hunter, big time defensive back, five star defensive back, formerly committed to Florida State, flipped his commitment on the day of the Jackson State, um, I guess over a year ago. And Shadur Sanders, his son, the quarterback, who was a four star in his own right, recruited by pretty much everybody in the South, right? So these are two big time talents that are coming with him from Jackson State to Colorado. Colorado as a whole, since he got there, has been extremely active in the transfer portal. I don't even know what the number is up to now of the guys that he is bringing with him, but it extends far beyond Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders. Um, Jimmy Horn Jr. from USF, the receiver. Cavassier Smoke, the running back from Kentucky. The big tight end, um, I don't have his name in front of me, from Arkansas State, right? He's been very active in just trying to, I think, up the talent level across the board. They've gotten some real talent that has come on over to, um, to, to Boulder now. I think it's at least 13 transfers, but I'm sure the number is higher at this point. Sure. Why this is intriguing to me is that they have to be better than 1-11 next season. They just yeah. have to. If only because of the influx of talent that he is bringing with him to Boulder from Jackson State and from other parts across the country – Deion Sanders is going to have this Colorado team playing at a higher than one win level next season. But what I think makes this even more intriguing is the fact that we can't quite map out how much better it's going to be. We don't know what the ceiling looks like because this is a coach who's not coached at the FBS level because there is talent coming from the FCS level. We don't know how that translates 
to the Pac-12. All too often when we do our preview content, we are talking in terms of how a team did last year and how a coach did last year or how a coach did at a previous stop. All of this is sort of new territory on the Colorado side. Not just that he's taking over a 1-11 school, but that there's there's no go-by here. Right. I, don't, I don't have a good a good marker that I can look at, something that can help me measure how good Dion's class, Dion as a coach, will be or won't be Right. coming into 2023. You factor in that they also play a really tough schedule in year one for Dion Sanders. We shouldn't overlook the fact that they've got national runner-up TCU, first game of the season. They've got Nebraska, second game of the season. They're on the road at Oregon. They're on the road at UCLA. They're on the road at Utah. They've also got to play USC. Of course, they've got to play USC. So I think on some level, the transfer thing is obviously very, very intriguing. There's talent coming to Boulder. But beyond that, Dion's ability to organize that talent, Dion's ability to get buy-in from the players that are already on the roster, Dion's ability to maybe throw something new at some of these schools that he's going to have to play against, which is, again, I think a tough schedule. If he can get this team to a bowl, if he can get this team to within a bowl conversation, Man. yeah. can you imagine the juice that is going to be on Colorado going into 24? Can you possibly well, imagine what that looks like? <laughs> it depends who replaces Deion Sanders as he takes a bigger job. In 2024? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Um, okay. So is there a specific player? I mean, there's an obvious player, right? That in terms of intriguing players that made the move to Colorado, it's Travis Hunter. Well, Travis Hunter is intriguing because he's such a top flight talent. Yeah. And also because Colorado was so bad on defense. I'm actually inclined to say Shadur Sanders. Okay. As as a more intriguing thing to watch. He's going to get the ball more. He was he was a relatively high level recruit. He was a four star. Yeah, four he was star, recruited a four by, star. Yeah. He's recruited by Sark when Sark was at Alabama, recruited. Okay to a bunch of schools throughout the South. And so just, I think by virtue of the fact that he's going to get the ball more, we're going to get to see what that offense looks like with him running it with Dion, um, you know, obviously putting his system in place. I think to me, he's the more intriguing guy to follow. Um, Travis Hunter, I think is going to be high level no matter where he plays. will be high level. Yeah. So he played two way and Dion talked about how that was a big recruiting win for him, not just getting Travis Hunter to Jackson state, but because he said, Play offense and defense. It's great. You look like a terrific receiver. And he's made plays. He had 19 catches, 18 catches last year. Um, so he wasn't full-time. He wasn't the the lead receiver, as far as I can tell. Um, it's Travis Hunter to me. And Shadur Sanders, obviously quarterback, is the most important position on the field. But because of the name recognition level of Travis Hunter and what he could possibly... And now, Dion also signed Kevin Coleman out of high school, a blue chip receiver. He ended up transferring to, I think, Louisville after Dion left for Colorado. So he didn't follow him there. So Travis Hunter, it's it's, it's the name thing. And I know Dion flipped, I think, a, a Notre Dame running back commitment, a, a speedy running back from Kansas. But in terms of portal, Travis Hunter, star power in Colorado, in Boulder, and what he can do, because look, how many great two-way players have we seen in the last decade? Three? Not many. Not many. It's not a lot of them. Not many. And so is he that next guy who is just so transcendent uh, that you have to play him on both sides of the ball? Likely, yes. So in terms of a reason to watch Colorado, we know they're not going to be very good. You just need a deeper roster and a more sure. talented roster than what we think they'll have come late August, early September, whatever, when they play TCU to open the season. 
But star power goes a long way. Even if a team is average, if you have that guy, right? If you have that, you know, linebacker slash running back, corner slash receiver, safety slash receiver, returner slash corner, whatever, which is one and a half way. I'm intrigued. I want to watch Travis Hunter play against top flight competition in the Pac-12, relatively so, versus what he saw at Jackson State. So he's on my list as well, just because star power goes a long way for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an intriguing situation. I am thrilled to see what Dion can do. I hope he doesn't leave in 24. He's not going to leave oh, in 24. I don't know, man. You, you think if you're positive five on anything? Seven, if they go five and seven, which would be, by the way, a monster improvement from where they were last right. season. They were horrible last season. Well, especially where the Pac-12 is quarterback-wise. Right. So many of these guys are returning, these high-level guys, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Cam Rising, especially. So it's, you know... It's a, it's a tough ask. It's a climb. The Solid Verbal is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here's a question. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you take a nap? You know, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had a little more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you in the first place. Therapy can help you figure that out and help you make it a priority so you can do more of it. Therapy can benefit everyone. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, or just trying to find the best version of yourself. It's not just for folks who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com solid today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash solid. Can I go, because Travis Hunter was one of mine, can I go to an intriguing player on, on my list? I, I would love nothing more, please. Next player is... And this is this is a whole situation, but specifically because of what his history is and where he's going. This might be my number one. Okay. Tanner Mordecai to Wisconsin. Tanner Mordecai. Like that? In the Tanner point. Mordecai. Yeah. Because of what it spells, also paired with Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator from North Carolina, and what promises to be a much more wide open Wisconsin. Tanner Mordecai in the system with Brett Lashley before that, Sonny Dykes succeeding the way that he did, throwing for you know 844 yards in a game this year, whatever it was against Houston. I uh, it indicates not your father's Wisconsin. Yeah, right? it's it's the wow factor. It's I think a wow factor. It's Obviously, wide open Wisconsin, a literal wow factor. It's a wow factor, wide open Wisconsin. Braylon Allen has talked about how excited he is not to be running into nine-man boxes, which Mm -hmm. who can blame him? No. And just that specific move. I think they also brought in, I think it's Nick Evers, the younger former blue chip quarterback from Oklahoma. So two former Oklahoma guys and Tanner Mordecai as well. Um, This is, it's hope springs eternal right now for Luke Fickle and Wisconsin right now that they're, they're saying the right things that like we're not abandoning. We're not becoming we're not going to throw the ball 60 times a game. We still believe very much in the identity of Wisconsin and power rushing, but it's modernizing. It's marrying to uh, to more uh, trendy looks on offense that stress defenses out a little bit more than Wisconsin has these past couple years and that they actually have pop at quarterback, that the quarterback is a threat to go downfield all game long. 
I mean, it opens things up for Braylon Allen. It opens things up for the rushing game in general. It makes receivers who are otherwise considered to be underwhelming perhaps uh, have an ability to play to their potential. And Wisconsin and the Big Ten, it's just better. When Wisconsin is not lurking, but is considered to be a power program because of their defense, because of a, a very strong offense or efficient offense more than explosive, Tanner Mordecai pushing his chips to the middle of the table and saying, I want to be that new kind of quarterback for Wisconsin. That, to me, it, it rockets them to the top of the list of intriguing storylines via the portal. To me. Yeah, I mean, he's a prolific quarterback. He's yeah. a prolific quarterback over the last two seasons, about 7,000-ish total yards, which Pretty is good. a lot. Yeah. 72 touchdowns in two years ain't bad. Mm-hmm. That is not bad at all. And so, yeah, if you're Braylon Allen, Braylon Allen having that counterpunch, not having mm-hmm. to do it all, I, I would be thrilled if I were him, too. I'd be thrilled if I were a Wisconsin fan. I think just in general, talk about transfers in. How about Luke Fickle? Um, Being able to pry him away from Cincinnati. We always sort of knew if he was going to go somewhere, it would be in the Midwest. I don't know if Wisconsin was pretty high up there on the list. Obviously, Ohio State, we heard his name come up in conjunction with Notre Dame when that job became available for a a brief moment in time two years ago now. But wow, Um, talk about coming in and, and... and, and making a mark, right? If they're able to revitalize this offense in a serious way, that'd be really exciting. Yeah, and it's also, when you have that new coach bringing in their own quarterback via the portal, it's ridding everybody of baggage, no. which also can include an incumbent quarterback, obviously, as we see Graham Mertz transfer to Florida. But whatever baggage Tanner Mordecai had at SMU, which seemed to be minimal if you're just looking at his success, uh, whatever baggage... You know, Wisconsin's offense had it's a new guy, it's a new quarterback, it's a new coordinator. And so Tanner Mordecai doesn't care how down things were in Madison on offense. He comes in, he knows what he's capable of. Luke Fickle obviously has a good good deal of vision of what he wants the Wisconsin offense to be. Yeah. And so there is that, and we've seen it across the sport, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, Bo Nix and and Dan Lanning, um, Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer in the Pac-12 especially. But it's all over the sport where portal guy, new coach, fresh start for everybody, and a much-needed one probably for Graham Mertz as well. So that's why, to me, that that's that shoots to the top of my list. Since you mentioned Graham Mertz, let's talk Graham Mertz in Florida, baby. Man. He's on my list. He's on my okay. list. In truth, I didn't just make that up since he said that's it. That's okay. So this is contingent on the assumption that I believe we made on the last show that the Jaden Rashada thing goes boom. Right. And that Jaden Rashada, they can't get the whatever, $13 million NIL deal worked out. And he's released from his letter of intent and he goes elsewhere. Seems like that's going to happen. I, you know, we're going to have to wait and see, but provided Rashada goes elsewhere, it would appear as if Graham Mertz is the dude at Florida at time of recording. Things can change, right. but Jack Miller, the, the transfer did not look good in the bowl game. No, the only other option I believe on the roster is uh redshirt freshman, Max Brown, who did not, see any action at all so Graham Mertz far and away is going to have the most experience he would I think presumably be the guy provided they don't take another transfer there's still time but yeah time of recording is January the 18th Graham Mertz would appear as if he could be the guy if the Rashada thing falls through so you know barring the transfer in from someone like Tyler Buckner who probably is going to be looking for work elsewhere Florida Florida's in a weird spot they're 
they're kind of in no man's land right now because it's getting late early. Mm. Um, they're dilly dallying around trying to figure out the Rashada situation, but in a sense that has prevented them maybe from doing other deals, if you will, in the transfer portal to try and bring somebody else in to help their quarterback spot. Obviously, they want Jaden Rashada, but if Limbo prevents that from happening, here we are with Graham Mertz, former Wisconsin starter at the helm. Yeah. Um, look no further than what happened recently now with Walker Howard, as you mentioned at the top of the show. He decides he's going to transfer from LSU. I, I think immediately upon that news getting out, there were a lot of folks on the internet who said, oh, Florida makes sense. Florida, yeah. Florida is not where he's going. He's going to Ole Miss. So I believe Graham Mertz at this point in time is probably the guy that we should be looking at for Florida. I also believe that Graham Mertz was at some point the highest rated high school quarterback to ever sign with Wisconsin. Sure. And I also believe to the with every fiber of my being to the core of my soul that there is still a lot of potential in Graham Mertz. The problem with that line of thinking, though, is that we've had a lot of <laughs> it doesn't exist in reality data. Right? Yeah, we've had a lot of data to the contrary. Yeah, we've seen it happen before where you're a highly touted quarterback. You end up on a bad team. You still find a way to transcend some of the stuff around you. Right. Maybe you don't have a good line or good receivers coordinator, or coordinator. Yep. Coordinator coach. We've still seen guys in that situation, highly touted quarterbacks out of high school go into a bad spot and find a way to transcend it all and succeed. And maybe they go elsewhere in the transfer portal. Maybe they end up being drafted higher than you'd expect in the NFL. But we've seen that play before. Sure. We haven't seen that with Graham Mertz. We, I, haven't, I, we haven't seen that quote unquote it factor with Graham Mertz that to transcend what I would say is a bad quarterback situation or has been a bad quarterback situation at Wisconsin. Um, a situation that has not necessarily given him the tools that he needs to further develop. Mm -hmm. um, we have not seen him kind of rise above that. And so for that reason, very skeptical on what Graham Mertz looks like in a different uniform, in a different spot, in a different system. I, I don't know if it matters all that much, but it is intriguing to say the least, because if he's the guy, we're going to, we're going to get to find out the answer to that question. So, Technically speaking, I can't disagree with an opinion of yours, right? It's your opinion. It, it's not a fact. You your disagree. opinion is that Graham Mertz is intriguing at Florida. He's intriguing at Florida for a couple of reasons. First off, we get to see what he can do in a different system. Secondly, sure. the fact that Florida couldn't get anybody better than Graham Mertz. Maybe, maybe Jaden Rashada was that guy. But if they're still unable at this point, seven months from now, to have a better option than Graham Mertz on the roster... That, that's intriguing from a Florida low-key nightmare standpoint. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe you, maybe I should interpret your use of Graham Mertz here, who I, I don't, he shouldn't be catching straight. Like, he's trying his best, we presume. Sure. But I think the intrigue is, is Billy Napier going to be a two and done at Florida? Three and done? That it's intriguing in that Florida might be not just plateauing or kind of going slowly downward, but collapsing careening and Graham Mertz might be an indication of that because high school ranking is just a projection. We see his size. We see his ability in high school. We see his arm strength. We see his athleticism. This is how we project him. And he was projected as a very high level college quarterback. We, we've seen him not perform and it's not just the coordinator. It's not just the line. It's not just the receivers. We've seen him miss passes and misreads. And so I am not at all intrigued 
and likely to watch Florida more than I would against any other, you know, more than with any other quarterback, Graham Mertz would be near the bottom of my intrigue transfers. Yeah, I'm 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 very intrigued. And maybe it's because what it says about Billy Napier in Florida as opposed to Graham Nerd Graham Mertz or the offensive system that he's gonna right. play in in Gainesville. Um I just remember when he was recruited. I remember it was a big deal that Wisconsin would get him. I remember at the time, I believe the comp was Brandon Whedon. Brandon yeah. Whedon was the comp that some of the recruiting guys made to uh, uh, to, to Graham Mertz. So it, they saw a prolific passer. We haven't seen a prolific passer. Certainly, if you can get a prolific passer at Florida, that would be better than not. But look at you with that take. Good yep. quarterbacks are better than I, bad look, quarterbacks. Ty, hold on. Let me write this that's down. Why, that's why they let pay me the Let me write. Bucks. What's today's date? The yeah. 18th of January. Ty is on the record, folks. That's a, that's yeah. a fair, that's a fair yeah. goof by you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It's like I kind of feel similarly. Maybe I can go to my next one here, too. Please. I move feel, on. I feel similarly with the Florida situation as I do the Arizona State situation. Okay. And... I just I I find myself scratching my head and wondering why can't they get anybody better? Yeah. Now the Florida thing is obviously different from the Arizona State situation because Arizona State's got a new coach and he's coming in and he's rebuilding the things from the stud and studs in the Arizona State situation, I think was far more dire than the Florida one. Florida yeah. had and you, you have the NCAA looming. Yeah, yeah. So the it's cloud. it's it's different. It's not the same. But Drew Pine. Drew Pine as the guy when see I really looked at the word intriguing as a positive <laughs> word in my case study <laughs> okay well it is I mean it could be it could okay. be a good thing okay. I don't know but it's it's intriguing to me because I wonder why why couldn't they get anybody better yeah why couldn't they get anybody you've better? made yourself a sicko list is what you've done no not and entirely <laughs> not entirely you are steering no, me in that okay. direction it's okay keep going but Arizona State had 24 guys transfer out. I believe right now at time of recording, again, it could change. Maybe Tyler mm-hmm. Buckner goes out there and Drew Pine's got to deal with that again. I don't know. Yeah. But at time of recording, it looks like it's Drew Pine and Jacob Conover as okay. the two names to watch for the starting quarterback position, the, the BYU transfer. I don't blame Drew Pine at all. If anything, I credit him for finding the clearest path to playing time among and maybe the best weather among all FBS opportunities that were out there for him. He may be built like a podcaster, but he's a lot smarter than me. Okay. (laughs) A lot smarter than me. But if the name of this game is intrigue and we can debate what that means, this is intriguing. If Kenny Dillingham is able to get more blood from the stone that is Drew Pine, he's the next coach at Alabama. All right. Okay. If he's able to figure this riddle out in a way that nobody was able to figure the riddle out at Notre Dame, then he is worth his weight in gold. But the fact that at time of recording, he has mm-hmm. not gotten anybody better than Drew Pine and Jacob Conover. If Drew Pine is put into a situation where he does not have Michael Mayer, where we get a fully untethered Drew Pine, that to me is intriguing. Maybe a little bit of a sicko thing going on there. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sicko. It's a little bit sicko. You, you're doubling up with Graham Mertz and Drew Pine. The, the Taco Bell Pizza Hut combination. Is that programs. not intriguing? Is that not intriguing? <sighs> 
define no, intriguing. It's not intriguing. It's not intri- intriguing to me means it's piquing my curiosity in a way that the situation otherwise wouldn't. All right. That I am not likely to watch Arizona State or Florida more than I was in November looking forward to the 2023 so, season. Let me let me give you a different one then. Tell me if okay. this one's better. The combination of Dominic Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas going to Georgia. That's good. Well, by the way, I don't know if you have the breaking news sound. And it's not officially breaking news. Maybe somebody can confirm. Breaking news! I think there's a lot of A.D. Mitchell smoke in leaving Georgia, potentially for Texas or USC. Well, in the buildup to the playoff, you and I talked a lot about Georgia's passing game outside of Brock Bowers. uh, Because Ladd McConkie was hurt. We didn't know Mm -hmm. what his status would be. A.D. Mitchell. A.D. Mitchell was out from week two came back momentarily in the playoffs, caught a touchdown in the championship, but we, we didn't know where things stood in the passing game outside of Brock Bowers. We weren't truly concerned to be fair, but right. we are tasked with putting this microphone in front of us and coming up with talking points and sometimes splitting hairs. And that's what we did. Stetson Bennett threw for 351 yards a game in two playoff games. He was fine. The, the, the passing game was fine. Okay. Yeah. Agree. All right. But now consider the landscape going into 23 here. Stetson Bennett presumably will gone, will, will be gone, will not be back for like an 18th year. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if we see any kind of shift in the offense as a result of it. Remember when Todd Munkin came to town? The implication was that George is going to run more vertical stuff. By the way, it could could be a matter of is Todd Munkin going to be the one running the offense in Athens because he's got a lot of interest on on both the college and pro level. Yeah, I know we can only go with what we've got right now. Totally. And at again, time of recording, I feel like I'm qualifying a lot of these. Todd Munkin is still there. When he came to town, the thought was that he's gonna he's gonna run more of a stretch offense. He's gonna bomb it more down the field. They're gonna get more vertical because before he got there, they weren't doing that. And that was part of why getting JT Daniels was such a big deal at the time, because he had a better arm coming from USC. It, it seems like he's the heir apparent. Remember, who was the guy he was competing with from Wake Forest? I can't think of his name now. Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman, right? Jamie Popped Newman. It out, yeah. Right. It, it was those two guys. It was going to be one of those two guys that was going to be running this offense for Todd Munkin. They ended up getting Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett worked. They won two national championships <laughs> with him. They didn't run the offense. Maybe the way that they thought they would under Todd Munkin, but they were adaptable and they were successful. And that's really all that matters in this thing. So talking about these receivers and why they're scratching you, why, where, where you itch, whether it's, you know, Brock Vandegrift, Carson Beck, whoever. Yeah, I think it's Carson Beck. I think he's got a bigger arm. And I think Georgia knew going into this offseason that they need more ammo out wide to, to run this system. And suddenly they go really deep. They go like five deep at wide receiver. Dominic Lovett was the leading receiver for... Mizzou, he had over 15 yards of catch, so he was a deeper threat. Ra-Ra Thomas for Mississippi State, also over 14 yards of catch, their leading receiver. Mm -hmm. So, and keep in mind, this is an offense at Mississippi State that wasn't really known for bombing it down the field. There's a lot of shorter underneath stuff, but Ra-Ra was was their guy for anything deep. He was very good, very good after the catch as well. You add in these guys with Brock Bowers, who's going to be back, with Lad McConkie, who I'd only assume is going to be back, with A.D. Mitchell, who could be back, with Arian Smith, who I think is still going to be back. If Georgia wants to go full Munkin with this offense and really try it, try and live that dream that they put before us a couple of years ago, they've got the ammo to do it. 
They've got the arm in Carson Becker, whoever at quarterback, and they've also got now the the talent out wide to go five wide every play if they want to. So I'm curious on a couple different levels. First off, the guys they brought in are great, and I think they'll make an instant impact. But I think it's more intriguing to me because of the ramifications it could have for the offense. And do we see a shift away from more of this ground and pound and we're going to have 11 possessions a game right. and just sort of bleed you out? Um do they go to more of an aerial assault now that they've got more receivers and a quarterback with a better arm to do it? Could be. Could be. I think a lot of teams, especially that recruit on the level of, you know, the top five, 10 teams in the country, they're perpetually looking at what Bama did 19, 20, 21, LSU 2019, where you go three, four deep at killer winter wonder type receivers. And you get to a point on offense where it's a pick your poison and oh, you're going to lose by three touchdowns every week. And so Georgia hasn't reached that point yet. Obviously no. Brock Bowers and, you know, Darnell Washington's moving on to the NFL, but they reached that point with certain guys at certain times when they were healthy, where somebody gets open and, you know, Kenny McIntosh was very good as an all purpose player, but they weren't Justin Jefferson and no. Jamar chase on the same receiving core, right? They, they haven't found that combination of guys at the same time at the same experience level that LSU had. And you're talking about an all time receiving core, but Georgia played them in the SEC championship game. They saw firsthand. This is not that long ago. No. So Kirby has done this. Obviously they lose Jermaine Burton last year in the portal. And so receiver has been that place that they haven't fully developed killers under Kirby everywhere else. They've, you know, blue chip offensive lineman quarterback has been very good with Stetson Bennett there before that eh, hit or miss um, running backs have been very good. Obviously all over the defense is very good receiver health experience production has not consistently been there. And if, if AD Mitchell wasn't, he was beat up all last year. He comes in has a couple catches during the playoff that were enormous, Yeah, yeah. but they're still searching for that next step on offense. And I don't know if it's a Todd Munkin wants to play in a different way, but to have the option to play in that way, to have the option. Yeah. To yeah. have the option, you know, they were so good at what they did the yeah. last two seasons and, you know, to some people that have, have written into the show, that's boring, yeah. boring offense, but it's it works. They want two national championships. So I don't know if there is any desire to get away from that. But I think the bigger point is that if they want to, they can. They, they can maybe spread this thing out a little bit more and hopefully rely on some of these weapons. They will have, at worst, bodies. 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 <laughs> Guys that they can try to develop out wide if they yeah. want to. Okay, uh, I'm going to stick with your theme of a receiving duo that's intriguing, and I'm going to go with a receiving duo at a school that has had far less success um, in the passing game than a lot of the top-tier programs we just mentioned. That's UCLA. <laughs> UCLA brings in, if it's not a top three, it's a top five receiving duo in the portal this, this cycle with Michael Sturdivant from Cal, the freshman who had a breakout year and a largely non-offense Cal offense and uh, Kyle Ford who transfers in cross town from USC, former blue chip receiver himself. So what UCLA has had in these last few years on offense at receiver has been largely not a lot special. Greg Dulcich was very good as a tight end. Kyle Phillips flashed here and there, but wasn't a true top tier number one receiver for UCLA in the way that some other guys were in the PAC 12 with Kyle Ford and Michael Sturdivant. Adding to a UCLA offense, and UCLA is going to take a step back this year. Zach Charbonnet announced for the draft, I think, yesterday or the day before. Right, right. I think it's Colin Schlee. Colin Schlee from is, Kent State. Uh, <laughs> you have to say his name like that. Schlee. Schlee. Um, 
the Kent State transfer was very productive for the golden flashes of mm. Kent State. Gold um, but having weapons like that with what we presume will be another good rushing attack, maybe not great, but this has been a top 10 offense nationally without top flight receivers and adding in Sturdivant and Kyle Ford when he's healthy is very, very good uh, for, for the UCLA bottom line. It's still a question of defense. UCLA is probably hitting the Mac a little bit more often than I'd hope for <laughs> what was a top 10 team at a certain point this year. Your favorite for transfers. But I also, one of my favorite words in discussing coaches is vision. And Chip Kelly's vision is, yeah, we're hitting the portal really hard every year because I'd rather talk to guys that I've seen succeed in college no. than guess on high school kids. And so that's UCLA's thing. And if they can get them into school, all the better setting things up for Dante Moore. If he's not starting this year, he will be next year uh, for UCLA. And to add to that receiving core through the portal, I think has been uh, a coup, a steal for Chip Kelly and UCLA. And I think it makes them again, top 10 offense these past couple of years. And they're winning eight, nine games. It to me though, is in terms of next level, next step, gravity, those two adding to UCLA, in a conference, and we've talked about this before, with the, the number of returning quarterbacks, UCLA is, is not back in DTR. But I think it goes a long way to bring UCLA back to at least the the range of USC, Oregon, Utah, Washington. Two of which I think UCLA beat UW and uh, Utah. Is that correct? If you look at their schedule? Yeah. So we know the capability is there. That's how they ended up a top 10 team. So to bounce back and to have that kind of firepower out wide is 1,000% new for Chip Kelly and UCLA. Yeah, it's it's intriguing. Um, really good offense, to say the least. Needed some explosiveness in the passing game, though. Yeah. This wasn't a, a necessarily a big play passing offense. And so you add a little bit of, uh, I don't know variability i keep using that word but you you bring in some options out wide that can help you with that and proven options by the proven way. options yeah that helps yeah so right. i am i am thoroughly intrigued by ucla what's next on your list G- give me another one i did two in a row you did two in a row all right i'm gonna <laughs> steal one from you how about that i already know i'm stealing it from you yeah i'm taking sam hartman sam my man sam hartman sam my man and caleb smith as well by the way, Notre Dame with two Caleb Smiths. Is that correct? <laughs> that they won't have a, be confusing at all. They have an incoming three-star receiver, Caleb Smith, and they have Virginia Tech's leading receiver, Caleb Smith, a big body right. receiver who led the uh, the Hokies in receiving last year. Uh, he's a grad transfer, I believe. Not to be confused with baseball pitcher Caleb Smith, who I believe. Really? There's a baseball Caleb Smith? Well, there was. Oh, there okay. was. He was sort of a middle-of-the-road pitcher. Continue. Look, Notre Dame's been, when they have Ian Book, Ian Book's very good. He's not his his ceiling wasn't excellent to me, but very very good. He's the best modern Notre Dame quarterback. They take a couple steps back, to say the least, these past couple seasons. But bringing in a good Sam Hartman, who is going to be in less of a and I don't say gimmick in a negative term, but it's just a very specific system that Wake Forest was running with the slow mesh behind a better offensive line, and now with Caleb Smith and um, I think they have a promising young tight end. They do. Tight end's not an issue. Tight end's not an issue. issue. It, the issue is wide out for Notre so, Dame. So it's Braden Lindsay's gone, I believe. Yeah. Um, Lorenzo Styles kind of, I mean, he didn't get the ball that much, but dropsies were somewhat of an issue for him. Yeah, I mean, the, the receiver situation as a whole for Notre Dame is is very intriguing. I have Sam Hartman on my list, too. You knew 
I would yeah, have. Yeah, of course. So Notre Dame is that team, though, because of how good their defense seems to be year over year, and you can speak more to that, because we believe the offensive line is going to continue to improve with Harry Highstead, new, the new old uh, offensive line coach, having an older quarterback and Sam Hartman, plug and play, white glove service, yep. and what we believe to be a good receiver in Caleb Smith, who can immediately come in and be a steadying force out wide. If Sam Hartman, the, the question to me is the picks. We, we saw a couple of games this year, like where is he even looking, right? Where he can single-handedly lose a game in a quarter. If he can avoid that with more time, and he had good receivers at Wake, with more time, with more stability, without needing to score 48 points a game because he'll have a better defense in Notre Dame. Notre Dame ceiling is, you know, playoff this year. Yeah, I mean, the the big thing for Notre Dame is going to be the line. This is why, above all else, it's a good situation for Sam Hartman. You, you could make a pretty good strong case that this is one of the better lines in the country. They've got Joe Alt, Blake Fisher on the tackles. They lose both their guards, but I yeah. think by and large, this will, this will end up being one of the better lines in the country. The running game won't be in a bad place at all, if only because they spent all season trying to run the damn ball. Now they have an influx, a surge a stable of running backs. There aren't enough running back. Or, well, excuse me. There are too many running backs. There aren't enough footballs for this coming season. So Notre Dame's in a pretty good spot. As for that, the question is, is receiver yeah. as you alluded. I mean, the question is receiver. They didn't see a step forward from Lorenzo styles this season. I was hoping we would, but mm-hmm. you, you can probably understand on some level. Why Jane Thomas, the big guy, big number 83, as you've called him. Yep. Time and again on our show, I thought he he had a nice season, but um, you know how he fits in is TBD. To buy, but it's also it's also not to cut you off, but I'm going to cut you off. We don't know how good their receivers are. No, if it's a Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine team, we don't know how good Notre Dame's receivers and tight ends are. Besides Michael Mayer, obviously we knew he was very good. So Sam Harton, Sam Hartman is the the tide that raises all ships. I I believe so. Yeah, I, okay. I believe so. And um, I'm pretty excited to see what he looks like. Um, Tobias Merriweather, just an, another one that I want to throw out there. Sure. Um, I I don't think we saw enough out of him. He got like one catch this year, but um, I would like to see more out of him. I think he could perhaps provide a little bit more pop from that receiving core. It um, almost to me sounds like Caleb Smith might be more intriguing to you than Sam Hartman. So we know what Sam Hartman no, is. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, it isn't. Okay. You kidding me? After years of Ian Book, the brief stay with Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine, no, Sam Hartman's the answer for me. Sam Hartman's the answer for me, and Sam Hartman, in his time at Wake Forest, has made receivers better. He has made receivers better. There are options at receiver for Notre Dame. I think they've recruited fairly well, at least enough guys at wide receiver that they're going to have options. It's just a matter of who's who's the dude going to be. All right. Um, who, who, is, who are going to be those names that really rise to the surface? But see, if I were to tell you Sam Hartman is going to be Ian Book, you'd be pretty happy even though Ian Book drove you nuts. I'd be, because I would, of the, it, it's, it's all relative after the past couple of years. Yeah, I would take that. I would take yeah. that. But Sam, Sam Hartman just gives them so much of a, a proven option at quarterback that um, it's hard not to be excited. It, it's hard not to envision a ceiling that is much higher than Ian Book. How many do you have left? I've got one. I've got two left. All right. I have three left. We should probably start 
buzzing through these relatively quickly. Uh, okay, I've got DJ Uyunglele. Do you have him? I do not. We called out Oregon State months ago as a trendy landing spot. DJU makes a lot of sense for Oregon State. I believe he will have a decent receiving core to work with. You probably know better than I. A bit undersized, Silas Bolden, Anthony Gould, both being 5'8", but sure. they have some experience. They are adding some guys via the incoming class as well. There are some other names on the roster that could see um, a better workload here as well. But I, I think it's fair to question the pass catchers, mm-hmm. if only because part of the problem at Clemson for DJU was guys not getting open. It wasn't all on DJU. Some of it was. Some of it was on the system. But right. it, it's been an ongoing trend there where guys just, they don't get open. So, I, you know, I, I don't know what that looks like from that standpoint on the Oregon State side, but there's a ton of reason for optimism here especially with the way their defense overperformed this season. There's, there is this rising sense that Oregon State's a few good players away on offense from really making things interesting for opponents in the Pac-12. So I, I think DJU is a, is a no-brainer answer here in terms of intrigue. Yeah, I mean, you look at what Jonathan Smith has done with quarterbacks without you know, a ton of physical talent um, that if, if you want all of the talent squeezed out of you, there are worse coaches to be developed by than Jonathan Smith. Yeah, that's so it. I think DJ use an easy answer. Yeah. Um. A, another one quick, please. Let's talk about Auburn's offensive line transfers stacking it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a position group that needed a lot of work. They have not recruited well along the line, which is strange because the SEC is a line league. Mm-hmm. It's a line league. You don't have a good line. You're dead. You're dead. And they have not done enough there to keep up with the depth that you need. They just haven't. So the cracks have been showing for a while. It really showed this season. The line stats were bad. I don't know if you looked at those line stats were really bad for Auburn. They gave up a ton of pressure this season. Part of that was the quarterback, but part of that was just the line wasn't good. So they've been really aggressive here. Hugh Freeze came in. They've got Avery Jones from ECU, an interior lineman. Mm-hmm. Dylan Wade from Tulsa, Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky, three guys that should be starters right away, should be plug and play. I'm curious to see how good they can get, how quickly they can get there, because this is a position group where they'll just take anybody with experience. So um, barring a transfer elsewhere, it's probably still Robbie Ashford, I believe, at quarterback. I was going to say, who are they protecting, though? That's I think it's Robbie still... Ashford. OK, so that's okay. not a great situation although Robbie Ashford had moments and yep. maybe with a better coach he can he can succeed yep. um I don't know if Hugh Freeze is that better coach we'll find out in due time nonetheless I am feeling positively about the quick work that Auburn has done in the portal on the line so, so those are your final two those DJ you and the Auburn line who do you got all right I'm gonna use my home is your coin. nose okay by the way I think I sound really stuffed up all of a sudden, don't I? Really stuffed up. I got the sniffles over there. Yep. We might have to take in a transfer podcast host before the end of the show. That's true. Oh, my God. People would be thrilled. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with my Homer coin here. I'm going to go Jordan Birch and Justin Jacobs. Sort of linebackers, edge type guys. Oregon Oregon. defensive transfers, right? Yes. Oregon had an offense that was good enough to go 11-1 and last year. They were not going to beat Georgia no matter how good Bo Nix could have been in that game. He wasn't that great. Um but defensively, that was the the huge liability. That's what the, the direct causation for the losses last year, even with Bo Nix hobbled. It was not being able to stop anything on the ground against Oregon State, even with a 21-point lead. 
and then uh, giving up the bigger passes and not being able to generate a pass rush all season long. Kayvon Thibodeau obviously makes his way to the NFL. They were not able to get to the quarterback. So Jordan Birch, former five-star South Carolina, showed flashes but was not the consistent star, I don't think. I think South Carolina fans would probably agree. Was not the consistent star that his high school promise projected him to be, I suppose. Right. Um, but crazy athletic, side speeds, common, side speeds, side speeds, size, speed combination that is extremely rare. Um, so if he is able to pop in Dan landing system on the edge, get a little bit better against the run. And then Justin Jacobs was like going to be the next big thing at linebacker for Iowa. He gets hurt last year and doesn't see the field much after the first couple games. Um, I think it's an immediate upgrade for linebacker and the edge for an Oregon team. That's still pretty thin at defensive back. If they can get after the quarterback, that solves a lot of issues. Doesn't matter where your cornerbacks and safeties are in terms of talent and production if the quarterback is always under fire. And so that to me is an enormous missing duo that Oregon sorely needed and succeeded in getting this cycle. Mm. So there's that. Yeah, I like that. Um, I have Desan McCullough for much of the same reason for Oklahoma. <laughs> Okay. So transfers in former Ohio State commit transfers in from Indiana where his dad was uh, a coach. And now I think he's at Notre Dame. He's the new running backs coach. Right. Right. Um, and so he was, he's another size speed guy that if he is more of a terror off the edge and is able to fulfill some of his recruiting promise and physical promise, Oklahoma, I think was one of the worst teams in the nation in terms of actually getting to the quarterback. I think their sack rates and their passing down sack rate was extremely poor. And so we saw quarterbacks run wild, yeah, pass wild. You know, you go back to the TCU game, the Texas game, and then finishing with the Texas Tech game. If Oklahoma can do a better job getting to the quarterback, Desan McCullough might be a major reason why. Um, and so he was one of the bigger portal names to come in. And then finally, I have Deuce Cypress, Ventral Cypress for Florida State, a team that you were maybe a year early on. Yeah, They had a couple of games that they blew. Otherwise, they looked very strong and played Oklahoma in the bowl game. Um Florida State should be really good on defense. We've talked about Jared Verse coming back being a major, major deal for Florida State, but a huge reason why Virginia's defense took a, an enormous step forward last year was their ability to stop big plays, especially passes. Um, I think uh, Deuce Cypress's QBR against, according to SB Plus, was something like 17. And so when you are able to add to what should be an already good corner and defensive back room, I know they lose their big safety, but I... I just think it's a no-brainer when you have Florida State, when you have the quarterback carousel that's going in the ACC and still uh, having a, a roster of really solid, if not very good quarterbacks in the ACC, Florida State getting even stronger on defense as they try to make that New Year's six-ish move, I think it's enormous. So that's where I went with how I interpreted the word intriguing, yeah. just because like I am more likely to watch all of these teams because of those transfers. Now, I'll watch a little bit of ASU in Florida just to either confirm or be wrong about where I think their programs are heading. But uh, no, I th those those players on my list get my get me tingling behind the ears. Well, speaking of ASU in Florida, yeah, we we should call out. And I'm I'm just looking at this now. Our from... Taco Bell Pizza Hut. They should join forces <laughs> with their thin <laughs> rosters. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, 24/7 Sports right now. And uh, they posted something about possible destinations for Jaden Rashada. 
mm-hmm. should he decide to leave Florida, which it sounds like that's near a foregone. He officially asked point. for his yeah. release. Yeah. Arizona State is a program that they predict could be in in need of services at quarterback for many of the reasons I think I highlighted before. Got to yeah. do better than Drew Pine. Or, just, Oregon recruited Rashada with Kenny Dillingham. So Oregon there recruited is that connection him. there. Yeah, there's that connection. Um, Cal, Cal is, area. Yep. is is an interesting name. They were among the first to offer Jane Rashada, and uh, Washington is another one that visited uh, Washington, and they lost their quarterback commit to Ohio State from yeah. I think South Dakota, Lincoln Kleinholtz, if I client something like that. So. Um, yeah, all intriguing. Uh, I, Michigan, I don't believe, took a quarterback and seems to be spending um, on the NIL front. Um, they did not take a quarterback in this class. I think they're in for a top-tier 2024 kid. So who knows? There, there are a number of schools that I'm sure can can dig into the couch cushions to find something for Jaden Rashada, uh, not the least of which would be uh, an open spot on the depth chart. We shall see. Uh, yes. Right in. Let us know across all social media which transfer situations you find intriguing. Let us know what intriguing means to you. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to go Graham Mertz with this? Are you going to go Jaden Rashada with this? Are you going to go, I don't know, Dan's interpretation of this? Dasan McCullough for Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 Sam Hartman. Whatever. We're both intrigued by Sam Hartman. We're both And Caleb Smith. Sam Hartman, a great beard, by the way. Great beard. Oh. Who was the last? Who was the, Chase Claypool? Was the last like? Oh, he's a, a clear number one college football receiver. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're overselling Caleb Smith a little bit. He's a good player, but let's not. He's not Chase Claypool. I'm all in. I'm okay. all in. Caleb with a K. But when you think about receivers, and we've seen this all over the the sport, receivers who are stuck in offenses and in such little control over their destiny, over their production, over their involvement on, on a big stage or medium or small stage. And with where Virginia Tech's offense has been these last couple of years, he qualifies. Sure. I just, I don't know. I'm ready. All right. I'm I hope so. I hope Caleb. you're right. Yeah. But that's it. All right. That does it for today's show. We hope everybody um, has a good weekend. We will be back yeah. on Tuesday. Don't forget to go on out to verballers.com if you want to get access to our shows a little bit early, if you want to get access to our Discord community, if you want to get access to some of the other bonus perks that we have to offer. Uh, we also do a bonus episode every week called The Brew and A. We record that on Thursday mornings. Everybody who's a Patreon subscriber can watch. Everybody who's a Patreon subscriber can submit questions. Everybody who's a Patreon subscriber gets access to that audio and video. So uh, a grand old time. But for the public, we bid you fond adieu for this week. Yes. I hope you have a good weekend. We will be back on Tuesday. In the meantime, for that guy over there, Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty Hilton Grant, as always, stay solid. Peace. Peace.